Luke chapter 4 is where we're going to start today. And we're going to read down to verse 19. And it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and the news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. Somebody say region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Somebody say amen to that. So for the past couple of months, we have been dealing with the area, we have been dealing with um, destined for deliverance, but we have been, have been specifically dealing with the area of self-deliverance, the area of self-deliverance. And we just read in our core scripture, Luke chapter 4, that Jesus boldly came out and declared that one of his main assignments was to proclaim liberty to the captives, or as it says um, in the King James Version, to preach deliverance to the captives. And although this was one of his primary assignments, if you read the beginning of Luke 4, you'll see that Jesus himself had to go through his own temptation slash deliverance period of time. And it wasn't, it wasn't until he was able to defeat the temptation and the bondage that was before him that he was then empowered to help others with their deliverance. So we understand that my personal slash private deliverance must take place before I can try and go and help others get free from their bondage. We all have a wilderness period, a temptation period, a deliverance period, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. I was talking to a friend yesterday, and he was telling me about the things that he had going on. And I told him that, you know what, deliverance popped in my mind. I told him, say, you know what, you're going through a deliverance period. You're going through um, what I call a training ground experience right now where God is pulling you aside because there's some things in you that he needs to get out so you can go to the next level. Because if you got too much baggage, you got too much weight, unnecessary weight on you, you won't be able to go to the top. And if you do, you can't stay there too long because you'll fall because of this old baggage and this old habits and the old things that you need to let go. So personal deliverance is necessary because I have no business trying to preach to you if I haven't walked out that principle myself. There's a lot of theory, but no practice to it. That's not helpful. So personal deliverance is necessary. Personal deliverance is necessary. Now, it is important if you've missed any part of the series that you go to Facebook, that you go to YouTube, that you even go to our podcast channel to listen to the previous messages in this series, because today we're going to move on from self-deliverance and deal with the topic of regional deliverance and community impact. Because we believe that as individuals, we should be delivered from our own oppressions and that our personal deliverance will lead to regional deliverance, lead to regional deliverance in whatever region God has called you in and God has placed you in. Somebody say amen to that. So real quick, turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 14 is where we're going to start. And it says, And leaving Nazareth, he, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And then here's the important part. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. 
and upon those who sat in the region in shadows of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then if we skip down to verse 23, it says, and Jesus went all about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So my objective today, I just have one objective for you today, and that is to empower you with key principles from God's word on how to execute regional deliverance in the region that God has called you to. To the region that God has called you to. To empower you with key principles from God's word on how to execute regional deliverance in the region that God has called you to. Media team, go ahead and put that objective on the screen for the people to see. Regional deliverance, regional deliverance. See, because today we have to understand when we look at Matthew chapter four and we, and we, and we think about um, what Jesus said, he said the people sat in darkness. But when he had came, they had saw a great light. We have to understand that the region that you're in, there is darkness in that region that's covering and that's preventing you and preventing the move of God from happening in that region, wherever, wherever that region may be, whether it may be Flint, whether it may be, may be your household, whether it may be your job. There is a region that God has called you to, but there is darkness there, and God has sent you to bear the light in the midst of the darkness. But like we said, you have to go through your personal self-deliverance first, which we have ministered on um, in the weeks before. So we're going to talk about regional deliverance today. Another scripture that we're really going to base this off of is 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 33. And it said, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Verse 36 says, Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of, the Philist of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And then the story goes on to say that David took his staff and then he went to a brook to choose five smooth stones and he put them in his bag. And then when he approached Goliath, you know, they had their share of trash talk between each other for a minute. But when it came time to fight, David took one of those five stones and slung it, at, slung it at Goliath and hit him in the head with it. And it actually, if you read the Bible, it says it hit him so hard that it, it went inside. Like the, the imprint of that rock went so deep. It didn't just hit him and bounced off. It, it drilled into his forehead. It drilled into his forehead, and then he fell on his face to the earth. See, David simply, the, 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 key, the key thing about this is that David simply had enough of the foolishness, and he had enough of the bondage that was around him and the region that he was in. The current condition of the nation of Israel was not pleasing to him, and since he had his own personal victory of deliverance, when it came time to deliver the region he was in, he didn't give it any second thought. So after you won your victory and you received deliverance in your own life, God will be, begin to then give you an assignment to use your deliverance to bring deliverance to the region that God has called you to. 
And when you step out to face the giant, the ruling spirit, the demonic bondage that is in your area and fight that thing head on, the spirit of the living God will fight with you. And that giant that's causing oppression in that area will have no choice but to bow down to the power of God, just like Goliath unwillingly did. Because if you think about it, think, think about this. I really didn't care too much about science or physics or things like that. But if something hits you head on, naturally, you're going to fall back. But the Bible says that David slung the rock at Goliath. It ended in his forehead and it caused Goliath to fall down head first. So when you go and face those giants that God is telling you to do and your goal, try to bring deliverance in that area. Once you step out boldly before the throne and say, you know what? I serve the living God. You are uncircumcised Philistine. You are you have no reason to be here and you sling your best weapon, which is the word of God at that thing. That thing is going to have to bow down to you in the midst of that situation. God is going to have to cause your enemies to be your footstool and cause them to bow down at you because they have no other choice. Because you are destined to bring deliverance in the region that God has called you to. Somebody say amen to that. Now, remember, we just read that I mentioned to you earlier that David used one of his five stones to kill Goliath and bring regional deliverance. So if David had five stones and used one stone, how many stones are left? Ooh, that was kind of shaky. Let's, say, let's try it again. How many stones were left? Four stones are left. Okay. All right. Thank you. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Turn with me real quick to 2 Samuel chapter 21. 2 Samuel chapter 21. 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 15. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel... David and his servants went with him down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Then Ishbi Benab, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight, the, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall not go out with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel, lest we lose you in battle. Now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines, the Philistines of God. Then Sebekai, the Hushethite, killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giants. Again, there was a war at God with the Philistines, and Elihanna, the son of Jireh Oregim, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again, there was a war at Gath, there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number, and he also was born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So although God used David to bring deliverance to Israel by defeating Goliath, years later, the job wasn't quite finished yet. We just read that Goliath had four sons who waited to attack David once he was tired from years of continuous battle with his enemies and his own people. And although Goliath had four sons waiting for the opportune time to attack David, David still had four stones in his pocket. And in this instance, it was four servants. It was four sons of the gospel. And after he killed Goliath, he trained up other giant killers. So in the event that more giants came in the future, there were also more giant killers in the future as well. Somebody say amen to that. So I have 
I have a list for you real quick, a, a list for you real quick. We're going to talk. I could have now I could have named this list um, five because I think it's five, five, um, five ways for regional deliverance and stuff like that. But y'all know me. I got to be out the box with my titles and stuff like that. So the name of this list, I, I call it Operation Kill the Giants, Free the Hostages. Operation Kill the Giants, Free the Hostages. Number one, you have to identify your position and assignment. See, because if I don't understand my area nor the position I'm supposed to play in that area, I'll be anointed but no good. See, the thing about, the thing about football, you can be a good athlete, but just because you're a good athlete doesn't mean that you're a good player. Because if you don't understand your position or the area that you're in, you can be on defense trying to play quarterback. So us as believers, you know, it's good that we have our word. It's good that we have a relationship with God and stuff like that. And it's good that we have our own deliverance. But if I don't know the area that I'm called to in the position that I'm supposed to play in that area, I'll be so heavily minded, but no earthly good. I have to understand. I have to identify the position that I'm supposed to play and what God is calling me to do in that region. The second point is I have to identify and call out the giants in your region. Identify the giants, identify and call out the giants in your region. Go with me to First Samuel. Back to First Samuel 17. First Samuel 17. So this Philistine said to David. I am a dog that you come to me with sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said, the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with the sword and with the spear and with the javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spirit, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So you gotta you have to understand, you gotta identify and call out the giants in your region. So you have to ask yourself, what ruling spirits, destructive mindsets, or toxic attitudes do you commonly see in your region, the set place that God has called you to? Do you, do, do we, do you have an understanding of the demonic spirit that's, or, or the ruling spirit or the giant that's in the area where God has called you to that needs to be taken out and taken down? Because when you identify them and call them out, you are letting, you are putting the enemy on notice that, you know what, you have defied the armies of God. You have defied the son of God. You have defied a daughter of God. So you know what, God is going to have to show you and God is going to show you that, you know what, I am the Lord that liveth. I am the Lord that redeems. I'm the Lord that heals. I'm the Lord that saves and delivers because you do not belong here in this region. This region is here for the Lord. So you, number two, you have to identify and call out the giants in your region. Number three, Regional deliverance requires a different anointing than personal deliverance. See, because I may be good in playing basketball by myself or by playing one-on-one, -on -one, but it takes a different skill set, a different grace, and a different anointing when I need to play with a team and as a team. 
It takes a whole nother skill set, a whole nother anointing, because the difference between regional deliverance, one of the differences between regional deliverance and personal deliverance is that you have to raise up other giant killers as well. You have to be able to go and minister to people and how you got the devil off your back, tell them how they can get the devil off of their back and get free from the bondage that's taking them right now. So they can get off of that cycle of sin and death and get on the cycle of life and liberty through Jesus Christ. You have to be able to sit down with somebody and give them the nitty gritty of the stuff that you used to be in. Get down, get dirty. I was doing this. I was doing that. But God, but God, and don't stop there. Just tell them, but God had me do this. God had me do that. Don't just, don't just, don't, after but God, don't, don't make it a period, make it a comma. Tell them what other things that God told you that you needed to do in that situation. Now their deliverance is going to be different, but there are some basic things that they need to know. I need to fast and pray. I need to get some um, accountability in my life. So when I feel like I'm about to go back to that thing that's, that's itching, that thing that I want, that thing that I'm craving, I can have somebody who can call on me and check up on me and say, hey, you all right? You good? See, because you have to raise up other giant killers because don't, don't think just because you kill the devil or remove the evil spirit in your generation that when the next generation come up, that same devil not going to try to come back to that territory. Because the devil going to try to come to you and say, yeah, 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 yeah. You've been, Apostle Ruby, you know, she kicked me out of this region back in 1992. And, you know, Pastor David kicked me out of this region back in 2013. But who are you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Satan going to try to come and chin check you and be like, who do you think you are? And you can get a little attitude with him, too, and be like, who do you think you are? Like, this, this is my region. Then those same things that were taught by your predecessors and things like that, you can be able to implement them in your own life. And that same devil will say, okay, that family, I'm going to just leave alone. That region, I'm going to just leave alone. I, I had a seat of authority there, but I don't got it no more. Because you can't be the only giant killer. Because we just read that Goliath had four sons. So just as the giant has some seed, the giant killers need to have some seed as well. So when the original giant killer is off the scene and he, walk, and he or she is walking through the New Jerusalem, hey, on earth, that, that, that same region can still be defended by the faith. Somebody say amen to that. That was number three. Number four, regional deliverance schedules regional pushback. Ah, we don't, see, we don't like that one. Regional deliverance schedules regional pushback. If you look, I'm going to read 1 Samuel 17. I'm reading out the Message Bible, verse 26. And it says, David, who was talking to the man standing around him, asked, what is it, what's in it for the man who kills that Philistine and gets rid of this ugly blot on Israel's honor? Who does he think he is anyway, this uncircumcised Philistine taunting the armies of God of life? They told him what everyone was saying about what the king would do for the man that killed the Philistine. Eliab, his older brother, heard David fraternizing with the men and lost his, lost his temper. What are you doing here? Why aren't you minding your own business tending to that scrawny flock of sheep? I know what you're up to. You have come down here to see sights, hoping for a ringside seat at a bloody battle. And then David went to say, what is it with you? Replied David, all I did was ask a question. 
Ignoring his brother, he turned to someone else, asked the same question, and got the same answer as before. The things David was saying were picked up and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. See, what we have to understand is that even people in your own camp, in your own region, when you try to bring some deliverance, they, don't, they, don't, they ain't going to want that. Because some people over time have learned to function within their dysfunctional lives, and they don't want anything different. You know what? I'm good where I'm at. Me, me, me and the devil got to understand it. I'm going to stay over here. He going to stay over there. Don't, don't come in here trying to bring no deliverance to this region. But now, when you try to set up for regional deliverance, you will get some regional pushback. And it's not always just going to be spirits. It's going to be people. We like the way we do things. I don't want nothing different. Let's keep it this way. What they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But in this case, it is broke. They say, okay, it is broke, but don't fix it either. Still don't fix it. We're, we're comfortable in our, in our dysfunction. And see what, see, see, what, see what Eliab said to David. He said, why aren't you minding your own business tending, tending that scrawny flock of sheep? Me and Pastor David was talking this morning, and one thing that he said to me was that, you know, God's not checking the size of your church when he's giving the size of your spiritual assignment. People going to look at you and be like, some, who you think you are trying to bring deliverance here? Your child this, your child that, your family bloodline this, your family bloodline this, your church is this, your church ain't that. Who do you think you are? They will try to say trigger words to get you to jump by saying your little scrawny flock, your little house, your little car, your little stank clothes that you got and stuff like that. No, they're going to say some trigger stuff trying to get you off the assignment. And when they, when they, when they come at you and say some reckless stuff, you got to be like, <laughs> might have to bite the tongue down just a little bit because, you know, sometimes it's a natural reaction. Just you jump on me, I'm going to jump on you. We can say, no, 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 no. My assignment is bigger than you. <laughs> Regional deliverance is bigger than you. I'm going to just be like David. What? All I did was ask a question. I ain't saying all, all I did was ask a question. I'm trying to bring regional deliverance. You, Because you're clearly doing a great job hiding behind the lines right now. People going to try to check you when you start talk about some regional deliverance. There's um there's these things called the seven mountains of influence. Um I'm see if I can remember all of them. There's government, there's business, there's media, there's art, there's family, there's education and then um What was the other one? Religion. Did I say religion already? No. Okay. Religion. So those are the seven, and those that and and they say that those seven in those seven regions, those seven powerhouses influence the way that we live throughout life and everyday life. And there's what we have to understand that there's ruling spirits in those areas too. In government, there's corruption. In business and economy, there's the love of money. In religious and religion, there's um a religious spirit, there's idolatry and things like that. So 
even if, 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 if the world can see that, you know what, we got some things in our region that we understand what, why, why can't the church, we take our authority in the regions that God has called us to, to identify the giants that are in our land that need to be taken down. Now the world talking about the, their problems, they ain't doing nothing about them, but they talking about them. But we, as the people of God say, you know what, we got the spirit of division here. We got hatred here. We got lust here. We got, um, we got perversion here. We need to, and we're, and we're going to set up ways to handle this and call those demons out and call those spirits and those giants and kick them out of the land. Somebody say amen to that. Because like we said, you know, when you try to bring regional deliverance, people in your own area are going to try to stop you. We've heard our pastor say before about Jesus and the madman of Gadara. You know, when he was cutting himself and crazy, everybody was like, hey, it's all good. But then as soon as Jesus healed him, they said, okay, Jesus, you got to go. What? The man was crazy and cutting himself, and you were okay with that. I healed him. He put some clothes on because he was, he was butt naked. He put some clothes on, put him in his right mind, and now you want me gone. People get comfortable and learn how to function in their dysfunction. People are okay with the status quo. Because let's guess what? Because if it ain't, if it, it, if it isn't bothering me on a day to day basis, I really just don't care. I really just don't care. That's, 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 that's the mindset that some people have. But we have to say, you know what? Bump the pushback because the pushback may even come from some of the closest people in your circle. Some of your closest allies, who you thought were allies, going to say, you know what, man, I think you're you doing a little bit too much and stuff like that. Well, don't, well, excuse me for trying to get out the box. You may want to stay in the box, but I was never designed to be put in the box. I was designed to be different. I am the righteousness of God and Christ Jesus. I'm, I, I, I am the first, Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren, so I'm in that family. I, I, was, I wasn't born to be normal. I was born to do, <laughs> I was born to do some crazy stuff. Some stuff that's outside the box. So excuse me if you're comfortable in this little section, but there's more on this destiny passage in this little square in this little region right here. So I, I, I'm on assignment to bring regional deliverance in this area, in this job, in this family, in this city, whatever the case may be. You are called to bring regional deliverance, but know that what comes with regional deliverance, you will get some pushback from the region that God is calling you to deliver as well. Somebody say amen to that. Amen, amen. And then number five, the last one. Regional deliverance is more progressive than instantaneous. Regional deliverance is more progressive than instantaneous. Scripture I have for that is Exodus 23, um, verse 29. And it says, this is the Lord speaking. He said, I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land comes, becomes desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Verse 30, little by little, I will drive them out from you until you have increased and you inherit the land. So this passage of scripture shows us the principle of progressive deliverance. The Lord drove out the nations of Canaan little by little. The fleshly, the fleshly enemies of Israel represent our spiritual enemies that we face. The Lord desired Israel to increase numerically first 
before he would drive out their enemies. God was concerned about how much land they could possess and maintain. See, sometimes our, our deliverance is proportionate to how we grow in the things of the Lord. And that process, that process is often little by little. You know, first comes the blade, the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. It's a progressive manifestation. And unless you understand this principle, you'll get discouraged. You'll become weary praying for some people, and you may even get discouraged in your own deliverance. If I stay focused on looking at where the people are at now and say, you know what, it's just going little by little. Um, God, why couldn't I just speak the word and everything just go beautiful, utopia, the place to be? No, no, it's, 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 it's not like that. It's, it's not, it's not going to be like that at all. It's a progressive manifestation. And most times it's progressive rather than instant. See, there are certain areas of our, sphere, of our sphere of influence in which the Lord will deliver at certain times. He knows which areas are ready to receive cleansing, and he knows the timing that's involved with those areas. So don't be, don't be deceived into thinking that everyone in the region that God has called you to will get their deliverance in one altar call session. Don't think if you go witness to people at, on the north side or the west side or the east side or the south side that you're going to speak one word to them and all of a sudden, they're just gonna, going to catch it, and they're going to be delivered and broken free from whatever had them bound for so long. It's progressive. It's progressive. That's why we can't give up on people. Because listen, yo, whether, you, whether you know it or not, whether you, okay, whether you remember or not, your salvation was very progressive. Your growth to spiritual maturity was very progressive. See, I'm not talking about y'all. I'm just talking about me right now. My, my growth was very progressive. It is still a progress to this day in the name of Jesus. And that's how it should always be. You should always continue to be looking to take that next step to continue to grow. You can't get complacent because once you get complacent, you put yourself in a box and then there's only certain things that God can do in your life because you decided you could because you, you made your checkpoint a stop. You made your checkpoint your destination. So, yeah, it may seem like your, let's say it like this, your, your, your deliverance and regional deliverance, because that's what we're talking about today. Regional deliverance sometimes is like driving on I-75 headed north on Memorial Day weekend. It is slow. It is slow. Memorial Day, 4th of July, whatever holiday you want to put in there. Think about it like that. I-75 headed north on a weekend, a Friday, 5 o'clock. Jesus. So that's how, that's how regional deliverance is. It's going to take some time to get to the destination, but you have to keep moving forward. Ain't no point, ain't no, ain't no point of trying to get to an exit and turn around. No, you got to keep going. This is, this, this is what it's for, regional deliverance, because those, you have to think about it, the giants in your region, the ruling spirits in your region have had years to set up base and to set up their camps. Don't think that after one word, that's it. David took his sling and he hit Goliath, but years later, Goliath's son said, you know what, we big and bad now, it's time to go get back the land that we took from them, but then they took back from us. We have to understand that. 
It's a progressive manifestation. Somebody say amen to that. See, because we will be surprised to know the number of ruling spirits and giants from which many people in the region need deliverance from. These giants have had time to work themselves into people's lives for generations, including the number of years of a region that, that, that a region has walked in sin and ignorance. It's going to take some time to get regional deliverance in this area. And guess what? The Flint water crisis did not make that any better, but it is what it is. To get people off of that hurdle from their government trying to poison them. And in some people's cases, achieving that, achieving that mission. It's going to take some time to bring the word of God and bring some regional deliverance in that area. But we were created for such a time as this. Destined for deliverance, that's not, that's not just a word for 2019. That's not just going to be a word for 2020. It's our main focus this year, and it may not be the main, main focus in the years to come, but a part of our assignment, a part of our anointing is to preach deliverance to the captives. That's not just a 365-day type of deal. That's a every day for the rest of your life type of deal because it's a progressive thing. Somebody say amen to that. And as we grow in grace and fall out of agreement with the giants operating in our lives and regions, the Lord will deliver us from them. So we talked about Jesus. We talked about David. Um, there's one more deliverance story that I'm going to talk to you about real quick as I'm closing, and that is about Joseph, the story of Joseph. Remember, Joseph was considered a miracle child because he was the son of Jacob's old age. Joseph's brothers hated him because his father loved him and Joseph, and because Joseph had told him a dream where one day his brothers would bow down to him. So they threw him in a pit, ultimately sold him into slavery. He was a prisoner, moved up the ranks at Potiphar's house, was accused of trying to make a move on Potiphar's wife, sent back to prison, moved up within the ranks of the prison, and ended up becoming the second most powerful person in all of Egypt behind Pharaoh. A, fam a famine came in the land in Egypt where his father and his brothers lived, and since God gave Joseph the wisdom and interpretation of what needed to be done to ensure the future of Egypt, not only did he save that area and deliver that area, but he also the surrounding areas as well. Egypt became the help center to all those who had been affected by the famine. It even caused his family to come to Egypt and eventually move there once they found out that Joseph was large and in charge. So despite all that his brothers put him through, despite all he went through in his time in Egypt, jo Joseph was the deliverer not only for his family, but for all the Hebrew people. And there came a time years, years down the road, down the road um, where Joseph had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh and Ephraim. And Joseph was, not Joseph, but Jacob was of old age, and he was getting ready to transition. And Joseph said, okay, I want you to bless my kids first. I want you to bless my two sons first. Charles, Joe, am I helping me out? Come from brothers. Stand right there. You good? Yeah. Um, yeah, y'all came. See, y'all see, God knew y'all was gonna do this because y'all got it right in the order that y'all wanted y'all to come in. 
Look at God. Won't he do it? Won't he will? So we see that Jacob was of old age and he couldn't see because his eyes were dim. And Joseph came and he said he put Manasseh by his right hand because the firstborn always gets the, the blessing, the generational blessing of the father. And then he, pl- he placed Ephraim at his left hand. And he said, okay, I'm getting ready to bless him. I'm getting ready to bless him. They got, Joseph, they got Jacob up. And then Jacob switched it. He gave the younger the right hand blessing and then put his left hand on Manasseh. Said he was going to be great and blessed him, but said the greater anointing was on the younger one. And I imagine they all had their eyes closed praying. Then Joseph take a little peek and saw what his father had done <laughs> and said, no, dad, you're supposed to put it, supposed to do it like this. He said, wait, 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 wait a minute. They're both going to be great. But the greater is on Ephraim than Manasseh. If you look at, I appreciate it, brothers. Go ahead. Say a smile for the camera. Wait to people. <laughs> <laughs> What you have to understand is when you look in the Bible and you look at the Hebrew definition for Manasseh, from Manasseh means causing to forget, while Ephraim means to be double fruitful. So what was God saying to what, what, what was God saying through Jacob to say to Joseph and to say to us in the future? He was saying, as a deliverer for your people despite all of the hell that they may throw away, you first have to be fruitful before I can cause you to forget all the pain that you went through. You must be fruitful first. Joseph had to be fruitful and give and keep on interpreting dreams and visions when it looked like his vision wasn't even coming to pass. David had to be fruitful And even though he was tired of fighting battles and stuff like that, he had to raise up four other servants to help him, which he didn't know at that time was going to help him continue the deliverance that Israel had at the time. Deborah, she had, you know, she had to work with what she had because all of Israel wasn't even with her when they needed their deliverance. When they needed their deliverance, all of Israel wasn't even backing her up, but she had to move forward with what she had. Jesus said, you know what? Y'all don't want me in this city. I got to go somewhere else, but I'm still going to deliver y'all regardless. We have to understand that we as deliverers, especially for regional deliverance, we have to be fruitful first. Because we want to be like, God, cause me, like heal the pain, cause, cause these people to get on my face, um, cause me to forget all everything that they put me through. I, I just want to forget it all. I just want to forget it all. Please get out of my face. God said, no, 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 no. God says, you know, we're over here saying to God, you know what, God, have them apologize to me first. And, when, and then once they apologize or once they accept me, then I'll do what you call me to do. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. That's not, that's, that's not how that works. God, can you, can, you, can you please make them understand and see the anointing that's on my life? Then I can do what you call me to do. God, can you, can you make a grand stage for me to walk in? Have me um, 
surrounded by bodyguards, have this anointing and this glow, this spotlight just be on me, and then I'll do what you call me to do. God, can you have them accept me as who I am, even though my past may have been my past? I'm not there anymore. Help them to see that, and then I can do what you call me to do. No. God, I'm trying to preach the gospel to them, but they're not receiving it. So that means that, that must mean I got to go somewhere else and I'm not supposed to be there. Let me go, let me, let me go minister to some other people who will appreciate my gifts, will appreciate what I have. No, 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 no. I don't have to be fruitful. I have to be double fruitful before God can cause them to cause me to forget all the pain that I went through. And I even have to be fruitful before God can open up their eyes and truly see that I was sent by him to do this job. My challenge to all of us is that we all have regions where God has called us to. Obviously, we live, majority of us live in the Flint, greater Flint area, the Genesee County area. There is, we all live in this region, and there's regional deliverance that's needed in Flint, Michigan. But if you be honest with yourself and you really just pray, there's a specific region, more specific than Flint, that God has you to, whether it be, there's some sphere of influence that you have around you where you're delivered, but the other people around you aren't. And God is telling you that, you know what, I'm calling you in this time and raising you up in this time to bring regional deliverance. You got to be fruitful because you're going to get some pushback. It's going to seem like it's taking forever. It's going to seem like it's all a waste and it's not worth it. The regional deliverance is one of the primary reasons why you are here today, why you have grown in spiritual maturity, to preach people and deliver people out of the mess that they're in. Because how can they hear unless there be a preacher who was sent to them? How can they believe? How can they be pulled out of bondage if they don't hear the word of faith from somebody who has been through the fire but came out like gold? Regional deliverance and community impacts is our mission and where we are going forward. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there for the word.